It's time for Cofield and Company. All the way into the trapezoid. Centering pass out of nowhere. Oh, and a loose puck. It goes into the goal. The Knights have made it 2-0. Jonathan Marchessault. Johnny on the spot. The Knights raise a banner, and they collect two points. 4-1. Vegas defeats Seattle at T-Mobile Arena. It's Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Kofi and the company on a Wednesday. Damon is here, Finley Toyota Studios. Adam Hill is the company after a busy day, I'm sure, with the Raiders. We'll find out what's going on with LVR. We've got the Aces back in action. We've got the Barry Odom radio show going on tonight. That's at 6 o'clock right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Damon is here, if I already introduced you. Sorry. But, you know, double mentions, kind of cool. What's up, Damon? None much. Chilling. Hectic day. You know, <laughs> Why was it hectic for you? What's going on? Uh, you don't want to know. Oh, no. Behind the scenes drama? Oh, boy. Car got towed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's that's interesting. I Now I can't remember where. Oh, we did the conversation on Monday, didn't we, about repos? Did your car get repoed or are you parked illegally? Or do you not want to get into this? I'll honor you. Oh, uh, got repo. I'll honor your wish. You didn't get repo, did you? <laughs> Here's what Adam said. <laughs> oh, oh, no. no. <laughs> you weren't hiding it? I got the money. As soon as I get the money, they'll have the money. Right, but you, if you're behind on payments, you have to hide the car. Across the street isn't hiding enough? No. <laughs> From your house? How do they know? Oh, well, you they know. park like a st- couple streets over. Oh, well, they know. Yeah, it's a, that, that's on you. Wow. <laughs> Harsh treatment. Yeah. He's probably really sad, really depressed, and then within you, be- you barely get the story. You're like, "That's on you." Have you? First of all, how long have you known they were coming for it? You it's didn't? been in the works. I mean, when you don't make the payments, you know something's up. Sure, but you have to put, like. So, have you hit it? Have you ever hit it? Like, are there have there been any days where you hit where you parked the car away from your house? Yeah. And today you were just like, ah, you know, I'm fine today. I feel safe. Yeah, exactly. I thought about it a couple of days ago. I oh. said, man, I'm kind of, I'm surprised that my car is just still here. <laughs> I must be untouchable. I walked out today and I said, hmm. Finally happened. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, you got to, you got to stay vigilant. You got to hide that thing. Yeah, this is a tough one. Adam already went right at you and then you just said that you expected it. <laughs> yeah. That you had been surviving. Okay. That's tough. I'd like to be angry for you, but You got home last night. You didn't want to have the walk of parking like two streets over. So you're like, oh, I'm going to take it easy today. I'm no, park. I parked at the park across the street. Hmm. How, I mean, it's right there, though? Yeah, it's literally right there. Yeah, it's, come on. Did you already look into what it's going to cost beyond the payment, what it costs to get it out of the impound? Because that's a killer. I tried to make the call today, and I said, you know what? I'll worry about this later. That's the way to do it. That's my approach. Uber to work? Wait till later. Took my mom's car. <laughs> oh, no. Well, oh, no. That is kind of the problem here is that, uh, as Adam knows, when there really is a rock bottom, you may take things a little more seriously. Really? You know what I mean? In these situations. Sure. But some people don't. We talked about uh, with uh, Steve Kim the other day on Monday. He had a video posted on his Twitter page, which I'm sure is pretty viral, and it was a tow truck repoing like a really big, uh, like, crew cab white pickup and obviously they're butt to butt and the driver of the 
pickup is in the car and he's not he's not going to let it go and it is on the tow truck. He he's dry, he's pushing forward and pulling the tow truck. The tow truck's off the ground. <laughs> now keep in mind, the bo- basically both cars were like I'm doing like a you know sure the top of a triangle. Both cars were in the air with the rear tires off the ground. Is that how? I guess you didn't, well, didn't see fight yours. it. You didn't see going. I mean, I, I wouldn't do that either. That's not. I would just make the payment. I had. Uh, I, I was at the. I was at the gas station this weekend, and there's a lot of other things going on. So I was like very angry about some stuff, and then uh, my alternator went out, and I just I got out of the car and I just said I I'm just leaving. I'm leaving it here. Wait, when was this? Uh, Friday. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Oh man, we're. I. I don't know. I might have jinxed everyone. I was having some um, some tire issues last week, so now it's uh, all three of us yeah. have an issue. It, just, it, it went out, and I just said, "I'm I'm leave, I'm leaving this car here." And then I started thinking, you know what? Maybe I'll just move into the car. Like I'm just going to leave it here. Huh. I'm going to live here. This those, is my new home now. Those rock bottom moments. That's a rock bottom <laughs> moment when you're like, "I'm just going to quit for the day, and I'm just going to sleep here." And then I look to the side. This is, this is my favorite part. I look to the side, and I was like, "Oh, there's a car repair shop. Great." I walked in. I was like, "Ah, I don't know what happened." Went down. He's like, uh, "Okay, I can take a look at it on um, November 3rd. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> "It's right there." Yeah, I can't. I can't go anywhere. Uh, that's when I. That's when I really lost. Did you just it. melt down? Yeah, internally or outwardly? Uh, both. But then uh, I got. I got the car jumped, but the alternator was out, so like nothing. Like steering wasn't working. Nothing. I had to drive like a half mile with no steering or power. It was probably dangerous. But at that point, I was like, "I, I don't care." Yeah. I'm just gonna I'm gonna get here, and then I actually found an unbelievable place. So November third, you're good to go. No, I found an unbelievable place. Oh, you did. They did, knocked it out cheaper than I thought. It was great. I'm good. I need a recommendation. I will. I'll give prior, it to you. Oh, I will give it to you. Your prior unbelievable place has not worked out that well for me. Yeah. Well, that place. Well, this place, I would also say, not only were they great. Uh, I've, when have you ever seen this on a repair shop? Like two thousand reviews, four point nine. Wow. Okay. People hate repair shops. Um. Come on, seriously. Well, you, so you're months behind. Months. Come on. They don't do it after one month. I said months. I like, think you said months. Yes, uh, multiple month, months. Month. But here's the I, thing. I, w- I would get if you were falling behind for, if you were behind a month, I would lend you the money. I don't. I mean, I have no I idea what lent, a car payment is, but I don't know if I want to start going probably north, way too much. North of a thousand dollars. Here's here's the real story. Knowing I, the way our producers live, it's probably eighteen hundred dollars a month. I l- I don't even I know lent, what that means. What does that mean? They <laughs> yeah. they spend beyond their means. High in the hog. Yes. I lent, a, on the I lent a friend some money. Once that friend pays me back, this payment is taking oh, care hold of on. the problem. Wait a minute. Oh, no. It's enough money to pay for the pay for the payment? <laughs> yes. That friend is driving you to work and home every that friend drives you anywhere you want to go. They kind of owe that's you. a rule. So that, does, that's a rule for Oh your, wait, hold on. It's never mind. It's, does, it's a female for sure. And uh but it's not romantic. Okay. All right. Well, we, we've gotten to the bottom of this. <laughs> does your does your Seven Eleven debt you owe to me go to that person now? Um, this is going to be tough to get my taquitos. No, the yeah. bank account's fine. I, but, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, just not enough to pay off a car. But exactly. You can, you can buy a couple of taquitos. Yeah. All right. I did a little friend. gambling last night. Yeah. Oh, that's Wait, a good what? idea after your car gets repossessed. Steve, I need money. <laughs> that's the only way. Right? What's the point of living in Vegas? <laughs> go you, win it. What are you not getting? What a mess. What is happening? <laughs> I didn't win. So. Oh, come no, so on. Now you're further, you're but not another month behind. This is not good. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's rough. Uh, Las Vegas Phillies right now. Still 1-1? 1-1. In the third, Phillies and Atlanta. 
Uh, Damon, you're clearly rooting for Bryce Harper and Bryson Stott as Las Vegans and other reasons, I'm guessing. Yeah, I don't know if you saw, but Bryce Harper before the game today arrived in a Coach Prime shirt. So you had already said that Vegas should be rooting for the Phillies. So I'm all behind that. Yeah. But now like Bryce Harper is angling to be Black America's team. <laughs> Him, you know what? I think Skip Bayless would approve. Are they? I mean, are they? Is it? Is Colorado still Black America's team now that they're bad? Oh, you yeah. mean bad? Oh yeah, they're not a good team now. Lost two games, bro. And a lot of seasons survived against a bad Arizona State. Did they win? Okay. Right. Yeah, that's, that's they're four and two. I, I was predicting one or two wins. Over-under was what, three and a half? We still yeah. got the Rollies up four over wins. here. We still got the Rollies up. What was that? What were you just doing with your hand? Showed off the watch. The Rollies up. up. So the is Rolex. that what? That's what Shador? Yeah, he's showing oh. you that Rolex that you can't afford. See, I thought should, I thought it was like a front flex. I was like, that's kind of weird, but if, if you want to like do a little flex in front of your face. Oh, he's showing off the Rolex. Yeah. Rollies in the sky. Wave him side to side. Wait, where's that from? Is that sexy that's red bad, again? Bad boy. <laughs> Come on, that's nineties. I don't. That's nineties hip hop. I don't know. Ro- Rolex wow. lyrics. Wow, it's not Rolex. It's, it's bad boy. It's it's Diddy, Mason, Biggie, yeah, the co-host of It Is What It Is, your favorite sports show. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I love it. It yeah, is what Mace. it is. It is one of my favorite sports shows when I can get the clips. That's right. All right, Damon. Well, good way to start off the show. Please appreciate that. Off the rails already. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We're concerned for you. Yeah. I mean, you are. I'm... Don't be. Once I get this money back, it's, it's taken care of, no problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's going to happen real soon. Did you hear that? What? I said, we're concerned for you. Steve is. Yeah. <laughs> Adam. Real nice. I mean, you're wearing a Scarface shirt. I'm sure that, you know, that's a sign of a high roller. <laughs> Spare me a couple of dollars. Also, uh, somebody said, oh, you're, you're just really into Cuban drug dealers? I said, Italians. But Al Pacino's clearly not Cuban. The character doesn't matter. It's it's culture appropriation, but it you know it is what it is. As Mace would say. <laughs> All right, VGK breakdown coming up in a little bit. Big uh, college sports talk day today. College football, college basketball, especially. I was out at Mountain West Conference Media Day number one today. Was the day for the uh, women West Coast Conference, also at Resorts World, and I think they basically did their last hurrah. The last couple of days with the Pac-12 over at T-Mobile. I didn't make it over to that one. The, the Pac-2? The Pac-2. Tupac. I had, a, I had a guy walk up to me at Resorts World with, I think, a security guard. And he's got an Arizona shirt on. And he's like, where's Arizona? I'm like, the Pac-12? He's like, yeah, it's media day. I'm like, I don't think they're here the same day as the West Coast and the Mountain West, and I started to look it up, and it was taking me a while. Of, like it took me like a minute. Meanwhile, I'm like I've got stuff to do. I'm trying to be nice, but I'm like I'm looking it up, and I couldn't find it fast enough. And they both just walked away. <laughs> I'm like all right, thanks, fellas. Like we have a car to tow. Just, we'll be back. Just, just yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, everything is interconnected in Las Vegas. Sure. All right, coming up though, we're going to have a, a conversation with the commissioner of the Mountain West Conference. Gloria Navarro, which really gets into the breakup of the Pac-12 and how she managed the Mountain West and just how chaotic things were a few months back. And frankly, they're still chaotic. Rolling on Cofield and Company. Adam Hill is the company today. Damon is here as well. Spent uh, much of the morning over at the Mountain West Conference Media Day for the women. Tomorrow we'll be out there live from 3 to 6 for the men's session. 
Linda LaRocque was there. We have a conversation with her a little later on. Uh, but Gloria Navarez, the commissioner of the Mountain West. And by the way, this is a Mountain West-West Coast Conference combo media day, which is very, very unique. But she was the commissioner of the West Coast Conference. So she's had to deal with a lot uh, in terms of potential defections, a lot of rumors, a lot of people beating up on the Mountain West Conference. Um, San Diego State, certainly one of the teams. Check that. Schools that... She had to deal with, but you know, all of this started when the Pac-12 started fracturing and started breaking up. And I asked her, "Hey, what was it like for you during that incredibly chaotic time?" Most of it was sorting fact from fiction and addressing all the rumors because there was a lot of static in the air. Uh, we had quite a few regular meetings with ads and presidents, uh, but our group was really good about reporting into me things that they were hearing, you know, telling me things that maybe warranted chasing down or not. So I think we were worked really well as a team. I want you to push back on this if I'm wrong. Is it fair for me, because I said it a lot on the air during the time, I'm really disappointed at times by leadership in college athletics because this is about education. You're supposed to be setting an example for the students. And while I hear a lot of administrators and coaches complaining that the students are getting a cut now with NIL, as soon as there was a chance to go for this crazy money grab, college sports kind of lost it. Yeah, I. it certainly is a sea change in the environment, but, uh, you know, having been on a campus and campuses both at the haves and the have-not levels of FBS, it there's tremendous pressure. You're trying to buy for national titles and provide the things that the highest level Division One athletes expect from their experience, and that takes resources. So even when you're with some of the haves, you feel like you're constantly needing more to provide more, to stay competitive. So while certainly, you know, stones have been thrown at leadership, I find it very hard to judge unless you've actually worked and been on those campuses and realize how difficult it is to keep all those trains running at the same time. All right, there's a lot of pressure. I appreciate the pushback on that. Gloria Navarro with Steve Cofield, ESPN Las Vegas. Um, last one, and this will just be kind of a wild guess. Mountain West Conference five years from now, what is it? Is it, is it rebranded? Is it massive? Um, I don't know. What do you think of the Boise administrator idea about relegation? Where is this conference five years from now? You know, I have ideas, but uh, no one could say. I don't know where it is tomorrow. Right. <laughs> um, but I really do appreciate we have our foothold in the Western region. We have alignment between our schools, which I think is really important, not just geographically, but in mission, core value, and deliverables. And I think you saw a statement from our presidents to that effect a couple weeks ago. Um, so I, I, whatever we look like, I'm optimistic we're still going to be together and either stronger or better position than we are today. Did you like the idea of relegation? I felt like there was a lot of warts on that, potential problems that were not reported on. Or my way off on that one. Is yeah, relegation well, a brilliant idea for college athletics? There are so many models out there and all of them have their merits. What I liked about what I saw from Boise State is uh, Mike Walsh finally you know, went through with real detail and thought through all the concepts. I have to credit Craig Pittens at LMU. He brought the concept to my awareness when we lost, when I was at the WCC, we lost our AQ in softball. And he was thinking uh -huh. about a relegation promotion. Looked completely different because the issues were different. So what you have to do is take those models and then apply them to your real life sport strength needs at the time. And the idea with, with that was just football, but then obviously football revenue has a massive spillover because it supports everything at most schools. I feel very strongly that if you did a model like that in one sport, you'd have to separate the sport verticals. You can't have your 
fill in the blank, tennis, softball, baseball, soccer teams moving up and down divisions based on a performance of a sport that has nothing to do with you. I got it. I got it. Gloria Navarro is here on ESPN Las Vegas. We're out at Mountain West Conference Media Day, actually West Coast Conference Media Day as well. Last couple things on this, and then I want to get to the women and a little bit about the men. Today is Women's Day. Um, you were pretty tough on San Diego State, I thought. Not unfair. Why did you do that? Honestly, commissioners have very little legitimate authority. Everything we do is by consensus. And if our authority isn't outlined in the handbook, everything has to be voted on by the board. And the situation with San Diego State was pretty clear in the handbook. So the other schools, the presidents, uh, ADs, basically said, hey, we got to draw the line somewhere. Well, the line was drawn in our policies. It was in black and white, and we felt very clearly our um, reading of the rules was correct. Okay. Your job's tough. Because I can only imagine after someone tries to divorce you, the conference, the presidents, the ADs multiple times, to work together after that is, I mean, you're, you're the mediator, basically. True, but no, when I started in January 1, San Diego State was very transparent and very communicative about their desire to move into either the Pac-12 or the Big 12. They didn't hide the ball on that, and we had a lot of conversations. So it wasn't personal at all. And we worked together, talked constructively through it. Certainly we disagreed, but we're, we're working together just like we always did on the back end with everyone else. Let's talk about the Mountain West Conference yeah. uh, women's season this year. How excited are you? Um, I, I saw some teams starting to rise up. Obviously, UNLV has been in a really good position the last couple of years, but how about a little more balance and, and even the chance that maybe a second team can get into the NCAAs? That is certainly our goal and optimistic that we can get there. I've you know, like you, learning more as I'm running around media day, and there certainly seems to be a lot of success around the transfer portal and restocking of talent. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of what UNLV's done in these last couple of years with Lindy LaRock? It's incredible, and I love her story about returning home. I think there's something to that in the Mountain West because while we tend to seed those jobs at the level above us, both in our presidents, athletic directors, and coaches, um, Quite a few of them end up coming back to us. And I think she's a great example of that. I'm glad you mentioned the transfer portal when, listen, you're not going to punch down, and this is the term I'm using, you're not using it, but you're not going to punch down at fans and some media who are beating up on the Mountain West Conference. Because, you know, a lot of times, hey, there's a whole system now. Um, kids can leave Mountain West Conference schools and will say, go up. They can go laterally. Maybe they want more playing time so they can go down. When you see people rip on the Mountain West Conference and the Mountain West Conference schools, how do you respond to them about, you know, the positives of the conference and the positives of the schools? Yeah. Well, whenever you're in the middle of an ecosystem, which we certainly are, we are not, there's some leagues above us, um, your top, your best are always going to aspire upward. So let's not fight that. Let's lean into that and be that league that constantly repopulates. And we develop young people and administrators and presidents through college athletics. They go on to bigger and better things. And the best thing that can happen for us is they are successful and they come back, either leading our programs or leading our universities. And so I think that's what we've really embraced that about ourselves. Well, on the men's side, is certainly the transfer portal has been a factor. And uh, over the years, it's helped San Diego State. It helped them last year. They got to the final. They almost won a national title in men's basketball. What does that do from a, a money and a prestige standpoint for everyone else in the conference? Well, everyone knows that this most recent round of realignment was fueled by football and media dollars, but we do not underestimate or underplay how important basketball is to us. We do both really well. 
Well, and there's certain cities that have been basketball program, you know, programs first and foremost. And UNLV's on the rise here. It looks pretty good with the football program, and the basketball program is trying to get back to that level. Um, you know, watching from afar and sometimes in town. What do you think about what Kevin Kruger's doing and the run of Rebels and trying to make progress and especially trying to make progress back to a point where they can fill the building? Absolutely, because the history and legacy there are so important, but also during the building and during the ascension again, it's really important to see how many fans turn out. And I think that's unique in the Mountain West is we have a lot of venues that people come, they support, and that creates that hometown advantage. Well, it's always been a good thing for the conference if New Mexico is filling their building and competing for a tournament and the same thing Absolutely. with Vegas. So New Mexico, I think, is on its way and Vegas could have a pretty exciting year this year. Well, we appreciate you being out here again and great idea mm -hmm. with the joint uh, media days. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'd like to take full credit, but you know, that's not my, that's Javen Headland in our okay. shop being innovative. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. Very humble. Gloria Navarez, who uh, has had to handle rough waters with the conference, potentially being picked at or losing some schools. But for now... San Diego State is still around. Giveaway time. Four-pack. Soccer in Summerlin. It's this Saturday, 7.30, under the lights at Las Vegas Ballpark. Las Vegas Lights are playing the San Diego Royal. DeMond's got a four-pack. If you love the ballpark, you're going to love it for soccer. Soccer in Summerlin. Make sure you grab your tickets if you can't win these at aviatorslv.com. But DeMond's got the four-pack. Caller 7364-1100. Good convo there with Gloria Navarez from Mountain West Conference Women's Basketball Media Day. We'll talk to uh, Lindy LaRock later in the show, probably in the 5 o'clock hour, as uh, we had a good extended conversation about a freaking loaded, loaded roster. Adam Hill is here as the company. Just covering the Raiders all day today. A uh, bunch of Raiders story we gotta, or stories we have to catch up on. Uh, one... Had it been public news about some of the uh, inner details on Brady and Mark Davis and ownership and this roadblock and this delay, what is the latest? Yeah, I mean, that was a few weeks ago. We haven't heard anything in the last little bit. Um, the league doesn't want to approve it because they don't want to – they essentially would be conceding that the value of the Raiders is far, far less than what is estimated. Wait, explain that. So what came out? What was what was in the rumor mill? Well, the 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 league had kind of well, there been a report floating around from the league that owners were not going to approve the sale to Brady because of the price that he was paying, which is far far less than market value, almost eighty percent less. Because essentially, the Raiders just want him to be part of the ownership. <laughs> They're like, all right, we'll give you a huge stake for nothing. But if they do that, that means all of a sudden it's a brand new valuation for the franchise, which is far far less than where it's at. What's the current valuation? I believe it's around seven billion. Huh. And so now, and how much of the stake is Mark Davis trying to sell to Brady? I, I mean, those details are like 2%? Are, are essentially private. But I, Four? I thought it was around. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was closer to ten. What? I don't look. We don't. Nope. I don't care. Honestly, like that's bottom line. I don't care what the percentage is. He's buying into the team. Like that's that's, a, that's the only thing that matters. That's a hell of a cut for a, a, well, a player be, fresh off the field. It could be. It could be eighty. I. I well, it's not easy. I, I don't pay attention to the details of the machinations of the of that sort of thing. Right. Just that he's buying in. He's buying a part of the team, um, and they didn't like the value that he was paying for it, so they weren't going to approve it, so they're going to go forward. But why it came out a couple weeks ago really was um, 
do the Patriots need to bring Brady back? That was kind of the the precipice for why this became a story because this is all being worked on behind the scenes, not really in the public eye. They're doing this between themselves. But it was like, oh, wait, Brady can't play because he's an owner of the Raiders. Eh, he's actually not yet. That hasn't gone through, so right. he's not. So if the, if the Patriots wanted to bring him back, theoretically could. Right. Not that he's interested in playing, but that's how the story started circulating. Come on, do you like this? Brady getting a piece of the team for a song and a dance? Cheap rate? Isn't that what all celebrity ownership is? Usually. Yeah, I don't think it should be any different. Maybe his percentage shouldn't be as high. And I see why the league would say, well, if you if you set the precedent for someone else getting such a, a generous deal, what's going to stop him from everybody? But every time you hear about some celebrity, whether it be, I think, Usher with the Cavs, Serena Williams with the Dolphins, I don't think that they're paying that much to get in on any of this ownership. So Brady's trying to buy 10% franchise valued at $5.77 billion. So $57 million. Davis has offered to... Uh, no, no, no 570, wait, right? Yeah, 570, 570 million. not 50, 570 million. 570 million, but Davis has offered Brady a discount of around 70%. What? Uh, but it looks like the finance committee is uh, balking at that potential. He can pay that off with his Fox deal, right? Come on, how much well, did he, he offer? He didn't, get, he didn't get a check for $350 million up front. Well, I, think he can, I think he can pay it off in um, al- an alimony. She's going to have to pay him a lot of money. Do we, is he going for it? He should. Well, he why should he? and he is are a lot different. Hey, why wouldn't he? He gave up a lot of money in his career. Yeah. What, do you, what does that mean? I mean, so, you know, he sacrificed things. He could say to her with the, atom, with the alimony, you know, I was accustomed to things. Oh, I thought the story from the Giselle backers was that he never sacrificed anything. Well, she wanted him to quit and he didn't. Right. But that, he, that say, he, well, that would, he lied to her. Like, he won't make a sacrifice. I wanted to play three more years, and I quit to to appease you, and your craziness wanted me to quit. God, we need a divorce attorney on the show. Yeah. It's tough. He could still be playing now. It is sort of amazing when you think about it. Once people get pretty rich or super rich, they do get discounts on lots of stuff, which yeah. is counterintuitive. That's how you stay rich. Right. Like I don't pay for anything. Why? Well, I, I I was I referenced it yesterday, but you know I saw uh, I had seen Marshawn Lynch wearing the shoes I really really want, and I could never ever even dream of affording them. Fifteen hundred on Amazon. That's that, that was a one of the better prices I've seen. Um, but I I can guarantee he didn't pay, he didn't buy them. Somebody gave it to him. I'm sure Nike just gave them the shoes. Hmm. Those are the kind of things you're like yeah probably just got them got them from somebody for free. You're not walking into like the Nike store and buying them. No, first of all, they don't sell him that. But, but he's not—he's not walking to a store buying. He's not shoes. on the sneakers app trying to put his bid in at eight in the morning. I've been there. Yeah, been there. You know the the wackiest part of this is. Well, I wonder how Raider Nation feels because first of all, if I'm really part of Raider Nation, I don't want Tom Brady as part of the ownership group. I remember history. I don't get over things very easily. And now, I mean, Davis, why is Davis so desperate to bring in a guy who potentially ruined a magical era for the Raiders? Well, he's already brought him in to the corporate umbrella with the Aces. He's got ownership of the Aces. What do you think happened there? You think he got the Aces ownership for a song and a dance and the the WNBA is like, I mean, what are we going to do? It's actually more beneficial to them for him to to basically pay nothing to be at all these games and and have – the WNBA can say, hey, Tom Brady, he's into it. Greatest winner in the history it's, of sports. I mean, it's good he's for the league. 
It's good, it's good for the league. There's no question. But and the NFL. Also, what the, is the, the value of a WNBA franchise? That's a great question. <laughs> Which is, it's not six billion. They're not. Pre- they're not preserving value of a franchise. Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield and Company. All right, let's get into the NFL and also big week for both Reno and Las Vegas. Battle for the Fremont Cannon, always a heated Rivalry over the years in the football game gets as uh, competitive and nasty as any you'll see around the country. Caleb Herring was part of this rivalry. He had some highs and some lows. We'll ask him about that. Uh, but I think we have some updates, some clarification on the quarterback situation. Beginning of the week after Barry Odom spoke on Monday, it sounded like this was going to be a game-time decision, Caleb, with Brumfield slowly returning, waiting to get cleared and his fill-in, Mayava, and again, a decision would be made on Saturday. But where are we now? From what I understand, uh, at this point, you know, it's been released that Coach Marion says it's it's Mayava's job to lose. He hasn't done anything to get knocked off of the spot. He hasn't, uh, you know, they're playing, I think, what was it, uh, the Kings game where it's like, if you get knocked off, you get knocked off. But as right now he's defending the top of the throne, which is the starting spot. And he hasn't done anything to lose it. And apparently from the quote that was released earlier today on social media, apparently nobody's done anything to take it from him. So twists and turns, right? The narrative shifts and who knows what it really means if you're trying to read between the lines, but that's what's been said. And it's hard to disagree with the fact that Mayava has has done what he needs to do to stay on top or to maintain the guy in the spot. But uh, a quick shift, I guess, in the narrative and people are taking it and run with it again. We'll see Saturday or we'll see how things shape up the rest of the year. But I guess right now, Mayava has done what it takes to to keep the job, at least through this Saturday. Is that the I mean, I right decision, wrong decision is tough to say, but is that the decision you would make? If I'm being frank, no, I, I don't think uh, I don't think uh, Doug has done anything to lose the job, I guess, in the early goings, a couple of games that he played. I don't think there was things that Doug did specifically that I could say lost him the starting job based on whatever evaluation got him the starting job. Uh, I don't think in that same breath, I don't think what my has done has been so much exceptionally better individually now, individually than what Doug did. Uh, in his reps. I, I believe that. That's my belief system. That's what I say. I don't have the same evaluation system. I don't have the same uh, resources or, or, or film that the coaches have access to to make this decision, if this is the decision that they've made. But for me, uh, I, I hate to see injuries lead to people uh, not getting their job back. And I, I would say that that would be the case here with Doug. And again, this is just from my lens of what I've watched from both guys. Mayava's played great as far as doing what he needs to do and playing winning football. Uh, I think both quarterbacks have shown that they can do the same thing. So I don't think there's a wrong or right decision to make here. It's just for me, who's not a coach, I'm not, I'm not getting paid to be anybody's coach, but just for my position looking at it, I don't think Mayava has done enough to put a stake and claim to the starting job 
And I also don't think in the same light that Doug has done anything to uh, to do to to give up the starting job or give up the position as a starter uh, to this point in the season. But for you as a former player, how do you think that goes over in the locker room? Because I know at the end of the day, everybody just wants to win. Everybody does. And I think Doug has exemplified that in multiple different ways and sacrificing a lot and um, putting his body on the line for the better of the team. And he's never been the guy to mope around because he's not the one getting the success, right? Or he's not the one getting the the press or whatever about it. He's been a team first type of guy. Um, and I think that is a consensus on any good team. And I think that's the case with UNLV. And that's what they build from a chemistry standpoint in that locker room. The next man up mentality is for the good of the team. I think everybody would understand that and be on board on that as a part of the culture uh, and part of the bond that these guys have with players. And Doug has shown that too um, from the sidelines supporting Mayaba. Uh, he's been doing great in that regard as well. So I don't think this in this locker room uh, fractures any relationships or, or becomes a distraction for the guys inside the locker room. Uh, I couldn't say that about every locker room, right? It definitely has the potential to, to be a fracture especially with the climate of football today and the transfer portal and things like that, that add fuel to the fire outside family and things like that, that influence players to, that kind of broaden those divides. I don't think that's the case with this bunch. I don't think it becomes a distraction or, or fractures the locker room at all. What is this situation like for Brumfield? How do you think he'll react off the field? Uh, it's tough. I, it's, I mean, there's, there's so many different ways to, to go with this. I think it takes a mature person to deal with, what essentially on an individual level is adversity, right? Like there's things you wanted to do, there's hopes you want, there's things you want to prove and uh, maybe an understanding of the internal situation that we aren't privy to on the outside looking in that maybe uh, in this case, in this instance, being this guy as Doug, if you're putting yourself in Doug's shoes, you don't think you've had the opportunity to, to plead your case, so to speak, on why it's your job still. Uh, and this is coming from me, from my personal experience. I've been through Doug's spot. I've been through the position where you were the starter and forever, for whatever reason, the next guy up does better at that moment. Um, so I've been there. So I'm speaking just from experience when I say this. It's tough. It is an emotional roller coaster. You understand the good of the team and the betterment of the team and things like that. And, and probably more than anybody, you understand that you haven't played up to your own standard. So uh, to know that and understand that it's a hard place and it's hard to overcome from a mental standpoint. But I think the growth from Doug throughout his career will help him and the maturation, um, the good teammates that he has around him as well, the good coaching staff, not just as coaches, but as people and mentors around him that I think can embrace him and surround him and, and kind of guide him through the ups and downs of this mentally and emotionally. I think I think it, it comes in handy, but it's definitely a tough road ahead uh, dealing with whatever this decision comes out to be for both guys. And I, I want to be fair to both guys. For Jaden, Mayava, it's a, it's a tough thing. And, and for Doug, obviously, it's a tough thing, too, to kind of go through this very publicly <laughs> kind of transition in and out and, and weaving of who's the guy and who's not. There's a lot of, a lot of attention paid to the position of quarterback, but that's, that's a part of the job. That's a part of the gig. Caleb Herring is with us. Adam, step up to the mic. Your thoughts on this rivalry? I like when you would talk about this every year. It's not, it's not a rivalry. I mean, it's the, the game is a rivalry in a way. We, we've talked about that. Like, it's one day a year, go play Reno, that's great. But, like, they look at it as, like, every day their city is battling to be our city. Like, they want to be <laughs> us so badly. They're mad every day. They're, they hate, you know, everything about us. They're, so, they're jealous in every single way. 
and they just get so worked up about this 365 days a year. And then one day a year, people down here are like, hey, let's go beat them in a football game. All right. Like I, I, it's it's a completely one-sided rivalry in that way of how much people care about it, and they have to. We've talked about it. You said it yesterday, even, and I was like, "All right, that that's exactly what I mean." You're like, they're telling these guys like this is a rivalry. You have to understand what this is about. They know what it's about. Everywhere they go, like Las Vegas sucks. We hate Las Vegas. Blah, 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 blah. Like, okay, Caleb, we don't one, care about them. One-sided rivalry, really? <laughs> so I get what Adam's saying. I'll say this: I think. Because Las Vegas as a community has, I don't want to say, well, I'll say it, more and better things going on to occupy their time. I think the consensus is it's cool. We're not mad about it. Like we, (laughs) I I hate to make this a comparison, but we're like the boyfriend who moved on and is like doing better things. (laughs) And they're like the ex that's like, man, why do you get to move on and have good things? Like you ruined us. I, I think that kind of like some, you, you split the family apart. We had a good, yeah. like, like that kind of sentiment. I think it, it's more personal up North and at least it had been, I don't know um, from my experience playing in it. I was shocked by the vitriol that came from the North side of the rivalry because I was introduced to it. Yes. They told me about it while I was down here. I got educated. I got all of that to get inspired about it. But it took another level when I went to Reno to play. And I don't know that it's a, a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. It, it is what it is for both sides. But when you go there uh, in this rivalry, I think the hostility, the tension, the passion around the rivalry is definitely thrown more from that side. Uh, maybe that changes. Maybe the culture around it changes. I know there's been some time where uh, from a football standpoint where it was kind of one-sided and Reno had you know the advantage for a long time. Maybe that's why Rebel fans didn't show their passion about it. I think that may be flipping. I think I've seen this year at least more interest in the game and maybe it has a lot to do with the start to the season the Rebels have had. But uh, I definitely agree to, a, to an extent to what Adam's saying. The North takes this way more serious year-round than I think the, the UNLV community does. When you play in the game... The Wolfpack players are ready to go, and it is a chippier game. There have been multiple fights. I know you had highs and lows, like as low a low as you can feel, and then the best high. Yeah, I went uh, – I didn't do drugs after, <laughs> after the game, <laughs> but I, I went uh, – my worst passing performance, probably the worst passing performance in UNLV quarterback history. I checked again because we talked about it yesterday, but I checked the stat sheet again. I was 1 for 14 completion percentage. Uh, I had 8 yards – passing and uh an interception that was my stat line for the game we lost obviously <laughs> um and that one throw uh, was after, nice though man it was a great throw it was a nice tight spiral <laughs> easy completion actually moved the chains uh, but that, that's irrelevant but we lost bad miserably that was a young that was my first year starting as a quarterback that year was just awful and it it was probably the worst game i've ever played and had a lot of self-doubt associated with that. Like, I, I, I speak about it candidly now, but at the time, I was very sensitive to this. Like, it was, it was a make-or-break thing for my football career. So that was the low of the low for me. Uh, full circle, back there at, uh, up in Reno, my senior year, we're, you know, all things clicking. We're having a great year. It's magical. Uh, we're on the way to a bowl game, and we come to the Cannon game. And it, it's quietly within. There's people that knew me that knew that I meant a lot to me, but I didn't speak publicly about it like from an individual standpoint. But I, I had a lot 
going through my mind as far as redeeming myself for that last time playing there. Um, I end up throwing for over 300 yards, a couple of touchdowns, including the game sealer, um, and got a game ball for that, the most important game ball I've ever had. It was such an important game. There's a photo that was in the paper about it. I had a friend of mine who's an artist actually recreate the painting or the picture in a painting form. And I, I have that hanging up at my house. It's the most significant win to me in my career because of the full circle moment, because it was a rivalry game, because it means so much to me. Um, so it, it's a big deal for me. The, the, the Reno game is a big deal in my house. I have an in-law who is uh, a, a, member, a member of the administration team up in Reno. So every year we're reminded and we go at it. I don't care how serious everybody else takes it. We take it serious around here. Uh, the red and blue thing is is it's more than just gang affiliation. It's Reno versus the Rebels, and and <laughs> trust me, the Rebels are are winning in this household. That, that newspaper was the Review Journal, not the Sun, right? <laughs> um, I on, I couldn't tell you exactly. <laughs> oh, I don't no. know. I I, 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 I want to tell you it's the Review Journal, Adam. I do, I but I, I'm not sure 100. percent Just go with that. We got uh <laughs> we got less than 90 seconds left. You are in really good shape favor as far as the Vegas markets attitude towards you but you may have to admit something here because uh, we did uh, a whole a whole thing on Reno and broadcaster bites you don't hate Reno on the ground do you what <laughs> I I uh -oh. do not I'll call it a, a guilty pleasure maybe oh, no. that that when we go to Reno I actually enjoy the small town Reno I, I enjoy the vibe I think it, it fits well with them I think they do some things well They've got some really good food. Uh, I think from what I've sampled, it's not a bad place. And there's things about the campus life that I actually appreciate. If, if it wasn't the fact for the fact that they were my hated rival, I might recommend it as a school. But I will not uh, <laughs> here live on Las Vegas radio. I'm not going to say that. I do find a, a sense of pleasure going there certain times of year, especially when the Rebels leave there uh, painting the cannon red. It, it makes it, I think, a little bit sweeter to leave Reno uh, after we beat them. And maybe that's why I like it a little bit to as be, of late. To be clear, Caleb, I don't, I don't hate them either. I don't think about them. They don't, they're irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost worse what you're saying. <laughs> of course. Of course it is. Look at Damon. All chuckly. When are you going up, Damon? Uh, I'm going up Saturday morning. All right. Uh, you want to get – oh, you're driving – what? When are you going to get there? The flight gets here. He doesn't have a car to wait, drive. Wait a yeah, second. well, that's a very good point. There is <laughs> wait no a driving second. that's happening. Your car got taken today, but you got a flight? <laughs> What the hell's going on here? Buddy, I live life, you know, a quarter mile at a time. What did Vin Diesel say? I'm just going. You, you don't need to worry about cars where you got family, man. Exactly. Thank you, Caleb. You guys better uh, set something up. There's some good breakfast joints. Is there really? <laughs> yeah. We will. We'll, I'll take them to two chicks. Two chicks. Wow. That's a good place. It's a good place. All right, Caleb. Talk to you. Thank you. I right, appreciate it, guys. Take care. There is Caleb Herring. He'll be on the uh, Barry Odom radio show. He's the co-host of the show. With the coach, Parkway Tavern, right now three to six. Happy hours going down at Parkway Tavern with uh, fifty percent off apps and pizzas, two bucks off beers, wine, and cocktails, and then two dollar beers, Miller Light, uh, during the Barry Odom Radio Show after six o'clock. So come see us, Parkway Tavern, Coach's Show, two fifteen, and Flamingo.